Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and I agree. You are really, I mean, if, if, okay, here's one of my really favorite words. And I have to say that you epitomize badass. <laughs> Just a badass. This is Fire Chat with Morella podcast. It's about life until it's about real estate. Grab a tea, coffee, or hot chocolate and let's chat. How's the market? Hot real estate news, pro tips, interviews, insights, and fan facts you can count on for balance and empowerment, including mindfulness meditation and food for thought Sundays. Welcome. Okay then. Uh, okay. Hello, hello, hello. This is Marilla Kale, your location gal, and you're my podcast, Fire Chat with Marilla. I am so excited about my guest today. She is a quite a wonderful, wonderful lady and uh that i just met actually the other day so hey don't blame me for anything okay she says <laughs> but in any case she sent me this lovely bio here if i can pull it up right now i will read it and um just give me one second because now i'm missing the bio <laughs> Um, let's see where is the message that i got from you darling all right so let me read a little bio here about Leslie and I just have to warn you because she is a funny lady. So so expect a surprise maybe or two in this little bio, okay? All right, ready? Leslie Lang is a divorced one and a half breasted cancer surviving real estate agent, fashionista, DoorDash enthusiast, comedian who knows how to say, I love you in 18 languages. What? She's also thrilled to be bringing Leslie Lang's comedy open house to the amazing San Jose Improv. Come for the comedy, make me leave in the new house. How is that? <laughs> uh, welcome, Leslie. I'm so tickled and glad to have you here. We just had a couple of conversations and we just had fun just talking about just anything. So you're wonderful. I think you you have a lot to offer. I mean, obviously, hello. Talk about talent and you have this natural, natural, like funny bone. <laughs> because we talked about other things, whatever, anything. And I was cracking up. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to let you sort of maybe do your own intro and tell us a little bit maybe what made you get into comedy and, um, you know, and we'll go from there and see what, what else we're going to talk about. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited okay. and um, it was such a thrill to meet you and how it happened was, was interesting. And so I think that people cross paths for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And so... Absolutely. We have our reason starting now, and you never know what's coming up, right? Absolutely. Um, so um, my family lives in Atlanta, and I guess I haven't really, I guess I was a little bit different than everybody in, you know, on that coast and in the south and stuff. So everyone's kind of been saying to me, you know, but I'm like, I'll never be in California. 
are you kidding me? They're all crazy there. I, that's too, that's above my pay grade. And um, so it turns out that I ended up going to school in North Carolina, I ended up working in Arizona, and then I ended up in California. And so, um, well, that explains already your fun personality. I, wonderful. I had, um, what I found out in 2006, at the end of 2006, was that I had breast cancer. And um, going through that process, you kind of you kind of get your priorities in line. And um, I decided I didn't want to stay married to my um, Irish husband. I decided I didn't want to be a workaholic anymore. Uh, and I decided that I needed to um, paint my bedroom. So that's all. So I got also got LASIK eye surgery. I got a new couch. I finally just made a list of everything. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna do this and whatever because you don't you don't know what the the future holds. Um, so uh, after I had um, I had a lumpectomy, so they took away half of my breast to take to get the cancer out, and then I had eight doses of doses of radiation, so my hair fell out, uh, and then I had thirty doses of of, um, oh no, no, I'm sorry, eight doses of chemotherapy and then my hair fell out, 30 doses of radiation that burned my, my skin. And so um, when the doctor told me that, uh, she said, we're gonna surgically remove part of your breast. And I'm like, well, of course, you've gotta get the cancer out. And then she's like, you're gonna lose all your hair. And I'm like, well, don't worry, it'll grow back, right? And, and then I was like, well, the radiation, who knows? I might get superpowers. I don't know. Um, I, I went through all of that process and I had a great support um, system. A lot of realtors and lenders and title people came out of the woodwork uh, because I'm a residential realtor like you. And um, I, I just didn't realize how precious life was until this happened. Um, after I got through it, uh, I went down to this place in Southern California near, um, near San Diego to, um, it's like a raw food retreat. Uh, and so a liquid diet type of thing where, so it was to flush out the chemotherapy. Right. And, um, you know, so my, my doctor said that I healed faster than, um, many of her other patients because I had a positive attitude, which I think is, is, is good in life. And I said, well, of course, doctor, when I see this cup, I see it as half full. Okay. <laughs> so while I was at this place, um, near San Diego, um, going through, we exercised, we, we, we did all kinds of liquid diets. We meditated, we did happiness, um, and laughter therapy. We did all kinds of things. And so it was a three week program. And after it, there was a talent show. And I was like, well, I don't have any talent, so I'll just introduce everybody. Right. So that's how it got started. And, um, there, there were, I just kind of did all sorts of crazy things. Like they had this big garden that we were not allowed to go into. They, they made all their foods. And so I ended up picking a, um, a, a head of lettuce <laughs> and I made it my first <laughs> I came out and I said, Oh my gosh, have you seen the have you seen the garden <laughs> So immediately I was already in trouble. Right? And then I introduced everybody in the acts and of course I made fun of people and, and I did all sorts of things. I just was being myself. And after it, um three different people came up to me and said 
are you a, are you a stand-up comedian? And I said, no, I'm a residential realtor. And they said, you should be a stand-up comedian. You're a natural. Totally. And, um, and then another person said, I can get you on the circuit right now. Wow. Get, get me a talent reel. I'm like, what? Talent reel? Like, I was like, what is that? <laughs> right? Yeah. And so um, I was like, so did I run out and do anything about it? No. So <laughs> the next year, I went back. And then three different sets of people um, came up to me. And this woman from LA, her company was called Dharma, and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, "I've never seen somebody so into their special place, like just so exactly where she's supposed to be." Right. Right. And so I was like, "Well, geez, I'm gonna figure this out, right?" And then there was another woman, uh, and she said, "I dare you." to go to your local improv and do an open mic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and I agree. You are really, I mean, if, if okay, here's one of my really favorite words. And I have to say that you epitomize badass. <laughs> Just a much a double dare so I mean I couldn't I couldn't not do it right so I went to uh, my office and I told two people that I was gonna go do this open mic well they told a whole bunch of people 45 people showed up and I'm like what are you guys doing here jeez and so what I did uh, yeah uh, what I didn't know was you're supposed to have five guests come see you to get four minutes on stage oh right I, I didn't know that right good thing 45 people showed up and to me they they, good then. they see me as a comedian what are they doing there otherwise right right of course and, yeah and so the manager said you know what we believe in you go on stage and just stay up there till you run out of jokes because all these people can't see you right so the very first time i was on stage i was on stage for nine minutes wow which, which apparently is, is which I don't so he said he goes you're a natural he said I think you know I've got a couple shows you can be on right now and so I just started being on different uh, comedy shows so San Jose Improv is kind of like the Super Bowl like they are they're the club right and um, so I wasn't doing open mics at other places at midnight. I wasn't going to other clubs. I kind of was skyrocketed into this great um, situation. And the trajectory of my career was, it was awesome. steep. And so wow. that's, that's how I got started. That's so awesome. This is so exciting. And what a, what a way to transition, right, from something so challenging in your life and just take it and just naturally kind of recognize what what was going on and for the people that happened to be there like you said you know things happen for a reason i firmly believe that and uh they recognize it just like you know me just talking to you i i could tell i already knew that you were coming <laughs> but but it is natural with you and just your personality and everything else you you know and of course, you have so many talents, right? You're also a, a realtor and, you know, it's not your only talent, but it's definitely something to, that stands out and you have the personality for it and the way you embrace your current situation, like you just said, and the lady or whoever mentioned it, I, I totally my hat's 
off to you. I mean, that is not an easy thing to do. You know, that's, we all, I think, try to be whatever we can be. And, you know, it's not always easy to come clean, so to speak, and say, you know what, it's not also hunky-dory, you know, things right. suck too, it's not always great, it's not always super, super duper, but here's the best thing we can do with it, you know, and that's a talent in itself, just to, to be able to do that, you know, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I love this, I love this story, and like, you know, and talk about, you know, discovering your talent, right? Because you didn't even know you kind of had it. You just, you just went about your life and other people noticed it, right? They took notice. In fact, 45 took the time out of their lives. They believed in you this much and they really wanted to see you. I mean, that just, that makes me tear up, literally. I mean, that's just so wonderful, Leslie. It's so awesome. I mean, it was a huge surprise and so fantastic. Nice people, man. <laughs> and I, I didn't know if that made me more nervous or not. Of course I mean, it did. I'm sure. I mean, I mean, some people in your position may, may have said, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I might come back. I don't know. This is, I mean, to talk about, you know, doing this the first time and also on a big, big stage. I mean, this is a, a you know, I mean, this is an equivalent like going on uh, Johnny Carson almost locally, right? <laughs> the first time you ever do it, you go on Johnny Carson. I mean, uh, you don't hear that very much, right? They have to kind of earn that way, their way and it takes them a while to even, uh, or it took, you know, in the, in the past, but now it's a, you know, different host, but still, I mean, that is remarkable, you know, and now, now you're producing your own show. I am, uh, it in fact, it's and it's at the San Jose Improv. And so producing means that I'm actually, um, building the structure of the show and I invite the other comics to be on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to host it and then I'm also going to headline it. And, um, basically it's my, I love you open house show. And, um, I tell you, when people, I get so the energy before I get on stage and the, and the nervousness and the energy and the excitement, I, it's just like once I, once I'm introduced and I get onto the stage and I have that microphone, I'm at home. I'm at home. Yes. And you know, people who have this natural talent, they all say that, right? When, when you actually, the spotlight's on you. And then you kind of, I, I imagine, because I mean, I've done some performing as far as dancing, folk dance in a folk dance group. <laughs> so I was part of a group. I was, you know, maybe we had like a solo with one dancer that we did part of the uh, performance. But um, other than that, I've never been like by myself really, maybe reciting a poem when I was a kid. <laughs> but you know, but that is, I mean, that whole, I have a little bit of experience experiencing that energy definitely right but when you come out when you are about to dance and it's important because it's like ethnic dance festival the herb theater and you really have to like bring it yes. and you know so so that i can probably translate to myself kind of that that feeling when you go out and it's dark out there and all the spotlights are on you but i was not by myself i had all my buddies with me I cannot imagine even, I mean, that is, I mean, I, that gives me chills right now because I can totally picture it. Like, oh my gosh, you're all by, imagine you're all by yourself. You're just standing there. <laughs> I mean, that must be, you know, 
that must be nerve wracking, right? Especially the first time, but then, you know, going on. So, I mean, kudos. I mean, I love that. So, and what you just said that you feel at home. So tell me, do you actually imagine and see the audience? Do you think about the audience or do you just let the energy kind of flow and you feel the audience and you just let it happen without maybe thinking about them so much or trying to even see them because you know how some people say try to find one person and maybe kind of engage them and see if they're seeing you or do you or do you prefer just it being kind of dark and you just sort of imagine something else you know or other than a bunch of people staring at you right <laughs> like what are you guys staring at right what are you guys staring for? <laughs> what am i supposed to do <laughs> So the venue, the venue seats 450 people. Um, it's been like, that's what I'm saying. That's a theater. So it is a huge, and this, the, it's a beautiful venue. Their lights and their equipment is top notch. And so when I'm on stage, all the lights are on me and I can see a few of the front rows of people. Mm -hmm. And, um, so a lot of realtors and a lot of people in the, in the business business come to see me. And um, so I will say, oh, hey, Gina, nice to see you. And thanks for coming, Tom. You know, I'll call a couple of people out. And and the thing is that they are there and rooting for me because they're, they don't, they can't get on stage. Like a lot of people say, oh, I really want to do that, but I'm too scared. I get that. I get that. So I can feel that love and that support. And I just take it in and I'm, I'm fed by that. And so during the pandemic, my shows were canceled. I wasn't performed. I mean, like it was, so I, I'm, I'm single child-free and pet-free by choice, <laughs> but like in a pandemic, you kind of, maybe I should have made some other choices. Right. Uh, so I actually ended up, I, my body was like, you know what? Hey, we're not going to eat anymore. <laughs> so oh. for three months, Gosh. I couldn't eat. And I didn't know what was happening. And I went to my doctor and she said, she, they checked all my stuff and physically I was fine. And she said, we think it's a mood disorder. And I'm like, what do you mean a mood disorder? She said, we think it's in your head. I was like, what do you mean it's in my head? And I said, and I said, so what do you, okay, so let's just agree that's in my head. Okay. Now what do no, we But it's do? just a global pandemic and I'm by myself all day long, day in and day out. How about that? That is what ended up being my mood disorder. Of course. So I said, I don't care if you have like a chicken leg and you wave it over my head. I just can't do this Ridiculous. anymore. You've got to help me. I'm so, sorry. I disagree with that diagnosis completely. Maybe <laughs> crazy. Me the, medicine. She the world has a disorder and it's a big one. It is. <laughs> And, um, what turned out happening, what, what ended up happening was my doctor, she gave me a medicine that, that actually did something with the chemicals in my brain. And two days later I was able to eat. Uh, so because I was literally withering away, uh, and she said, she said, she goes, she goes, it's because you are fed by other people and I have anxiety and depression. So when everyone had the masks on, I was like, nah, I didn't, I didn't leave my place. I have everything, you know, delivered. I have food, I have clothes, I have sex, I have everything delivered. I mean, there's no reason I should leave my place. Um, I mean, it's my warm and safe space. Um, but my doctor says it's really agoraphobia. 
So there's that. Uh, yes, there is. And I tell you that uh, it's, part, it's, a, it's basically being afraid uh, to be around a lot of people. Uh, just for people who don't know the world, I know. <laughs> yeah, you don't know that, right. Yes, exactly. But yeah, and the masks, you can recognize them. And, um, you know, I have to tell you that it's its interesting because I'm, I'm not by myself. You know, my husband, though, has been working this whole time and he actually goes to work. So uh, I was alone a lot, right? I still had my animals actually in the beginning of this maybe no actually my dog i think already had passed because we our animals have been with us for a long time and they're on the rainbow bridge but anyways but i had them had the kitty at least for a while but that's you know it's not a human being so we were on the zoom all the time and you know and then we could work a little bit right so we were showing properties in this net but i totally relate to you because i even me who can really use not eating so much and, and I'm on the other spectrum where I need to lose some you know weight for sure and I'm, I've been I've been working on it a little bit but <laughs> I need to do it more however I had I had days when I was like what did I eat today I just I didn't remember I was like did I just I just had a coffee like in the morning I would have coffee and then it's like 4 30 in the afternoon and I'm like did I even have lunch today I didn't have lunch I just you know, so I could, I literally had a similar reaction where I wouldn't eat, but like I said, I wasn't too worried about it, but then I'm like, you know, once I realized it, I was like, this is not healthy. You know, you have to, you have to stop. And I started putting my alarms on, like, okay, it's like 1230 or whatever. Or, you know, sometimes we had meetings back to back because we were really packing those meetings and trainings, right. To keep us engaged. Right. And some days were like morning to, to, almost all day we had these meetings and finally it was like craziness you know like all this and i kept thinking the whole time about people who like you who rely a lot about uh, on this contact with you know when you work with people and when when you you're out there and you know i kept thinking i still think about it and i you know i'm just you know i actually am a writer so i, I wrote my stage play not too long ago uh, I finished that one. I'm working on another one. It has to do actually with loneliness and what the pandemic, among other things, does to a person also. But but it also has to do with how, you know, the loneliness affects a human being and how um, how we kind of live in our head, you know, when we, when we are alone, you know, everything magnifies right and it's and it becomes this own little world i want to i want to hear all about what drives you now and um are you looking forward to this because i know i mean this isn't over yet you know we're still dealing with this and but what is your hope now for the future how are you going to turn your comedy into a vehicle to be more out there so to speak and you know be more around people and have that fed to you because you need it so much. Right. So, but back to the weight thing to kind of um, piggyback on what you said. Um, I struggled with my weight my whole adult life. I, <laughs> I have so many sizes in my closet, I could open a boutique. You talked about this. Right? So, so when people so first meet me, they're like, oh, hey, you're thin and whatever. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and I couldn't eat for three months. And since oh, you're gosh. just wearing sweatpants at home, 
my neighbors were like, oh, you're losing weight. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then right. until it got really same on, same, the, same on the opposite spectrum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I was so happy to get out of my stretch pants, let me tell you. <laughs> I have like these kind of like uh, legging-like jeans, you know, but they stretch, right? So, so they fit perfectly. And I'm just like, oh, they're so comfortable. I have like two or three pairs, you know. And it was like... And then I'm finally, okay, I'm getting out of this. I need something with a button <laughs> and specifically like pants, right? Because then, then you feel it, right? Especially if you're sitting like me with my patootie, you know, on my patootie all day. <laughs> right, right. And, and clothes, um, clothes are a big part of, of how I express myself. I'm known for I my- see. I love your outfit. Yeah. Usual. Clothes, accessories, and all of that. So, I go into my closet now, and nothing fits me. I am literally half the size I was, and so I have all these designer, colorful, crazy. I can only imagine how fun that don't fit me anymore. But I do have plenty of shoes, plenty of purses, and plenty of jewelry that all still fits. So I just have to get the main. Exactly. Thing. And I love your jewelry, by the way. I noticed your earrings also are lovely. And uh, yay. <laughs> Necklace. Yes. Yes, I love it. So, uh, and your sweater with the little uh, peephole. Yes, this is great. I like to wear different things because I, I like to have people, make people smile and engage with me. Of course. And say, oh, hey. It's your personality. And then I ended up meeting a lot a lot more interesting people. And, and yeah, I, I just, I enjoy people. And I like to be able to make them laugh or, you know, compliment them and, I just think that I never hold back compliments. So like, I'll see a guy coming down the street and I'll just be like, excuse me, sir. Uh, there's a handsome limit on this sidewalk and you're exceeding it. You know, okay. So I'm oh going to go this morning. You cracked <laughs> me up. You're, I, I, down. you're making everybody else look bad. <laughs> you know, you're so funny because I mean, I love that. And I can totally see you do that. That's super brave and super cool. And guess what? I do some of the same stuff, but like the other day in the office, I said, uh, there was a new person there and I said to him, I said, well, you're raising the uh, good looking, uh, you know, <laughs> actor in our office right now. <laughs> and uh, he's very sweet. He had a nice little chat <laughs> and yeah, he was a sweetheart. And I was just, I wanted him to feel welcome, you know, and he actually, he does look great. So I was like, why not? You know, why not? And I think, you know, I, I try to do, I mean, try, I do that all the time though. And I always want to stay positive. You know what I've started doing though, to, to catch myself, um, if I start being negative or if I hear even my friends talking about something, I go, okay, let's get off this, uh, right now, like <laughs> get off this bandwagon because it's not good. It puts out this negative energy, you know, and that energy affects everyone. Right. So it's almost like, uh, you know, like we were talking the other day with Liz, actually Liz, Liz Doyle, you know, Liz, right? Liz Doyle. Liz and I, she's wonderful. I'm sorry you missed her because she was there for a little bit and then she had to leave. But um, I'm sure I'll introduce you guys one day because she is so much fun to have fun. Uh, and we are kind of on the same wavelength with spirituality and just, you know, like doing the good vibes, right? Putting out these good vibes into the world. And she actually started this very cool thing called uh, Wishes of Water campaign to appreciate water. 
on a very like personal level you know it's very cool i did a podcast with her actually on this so if you want to check it out it's it's great but in other, i'm not trying to plug it but it just kind of came up in that conversation and we were talking because you know during the COVID, especially when we we're doing these zoom calls and you know you and i have this natural kind of uh, i think need to be positive so you know Sam was like liz and we try to be always like positive yeah if i'm gonna turn on the video i'm definitely not gonna be like slouched and like you know like this and we were saying like some people they don't realize and they bring this energy and you know instantly the energy changes when you have someone like this you know and so we have to be aware of it because we also control that, right? There's so much we can control. When I was at that health retreat place, um, we learned about exactly what you're saying. Uh, so when we put uh, negative things out there, it has an impact. And one of the laugh therapy and we're, I am healthy every cell. So, um, and I learned when you bring up water, um, there's a book, uh, a Japanese writer oh about water. Yes. The music, they gave, you know, death metal music to one and classical loving music. And then they said bad things to another. And they said, so like on our water bottles at this retreat, we had love and, you know, health, good health and like all these things. And it is proven. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we actually talk about it. We talked about the book <laughs> and there's actually, there's also a documentary they did on this, on water. Um, a wishes, it's not wishes, <laughs> I forget because her campaign is wishes of water campaign, but it's uh, nature of water, something about water, water, water. The Hidden Messages in Water by Masaru Imoto. It's has to do with water and he's a Japanese author and uh, yeah, he did a bunch of experiments. He's actually a scientist. This is non-scientific data. However, he did do experiments looking at water uh, with a jar where it said, you know, love and hate, right? And when they look at the molecules <laughs> under the microscope, they are different. And there's other experiments he did. So I invite everyone to take a look at it because there is like this rice experiment that they put three different jars with rice and water uh, with different words on it. And also they found, for example, in areas where there was like conflict, war, and when they looked at the water, it looked sludgy. It looks strange. It wasn't clear. So water actually is like a conductor. It really, you know, it, it the energy passes through it and it kind of leaves a footprint. So you can actually see what's going on in the environment with the energy. I, I found that fascinating. And um, so, see, we're into the same stuff. And I, I love your confirmation, what you just said about what you guys did over uh, at the retreat. That sounds amazing, by the way. Learn so much. And think about it, our bodies are what, 78%, 84% water? Yes, talk about that. Just the earth. So is the earth. So yes, it's life. Do the math on that. Um, the crystals of the of the water, when it was like a love thing, were beautiful. Like, yes, exactly. They're like snowflakes, yeah. And the other ones were like this jagged. That's so like, funny, that's exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. And our bodies, we're water. Yes. We're water. Absolutely, we are. Yeah, and I mean, and yeah, the oceans. Look at the oceans; they cover most mostly, right? The whole, the entire Earth is covered in water. Still, but we have to be careful. Well, interesting enough, I was sailing yesterday. Oh, 
Okay. Speaking of water. On the San Francisco. Another benefit of water. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm out there and I'm just happy and just you're you're seeing all this water and in all this big space and you're like oh you know what my problems are just this tiny it doesn't really matter and you're just i just was just fed by the the beauty and the 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 clo- the, the the air and the water splashing it just was delightful and and just really lifted me up and i was thrilled uh, to be invited on that trip yesterday so, that's fantastic. I know I, I've been lucky enough to be on a few <laughs> trips on, on ships and whatnot. Once a yacht, my dad was invited somewhere and I ended up going with him. But um, also we did like a hornblower tour. Yeah, um, nice. uh, this was actually a New Year's Eve party. Again, my, my this was my father. He, he, he and his wife at the time, uh, they, they, you know, invited me along and I was like, I was, I was divorced at the time. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, let's go and see what's happening. Took my Dramamine because I, I can't do it without Dramamine. But it was fun. But years before though, I had a friend who invited me on a small boat and that was really interesting because we ended up getting under the Golden Golden Gate Bridge. This was a a sailboat where I can't tell you the nomenclature right now, but he he taught me literally like right before we got on, he's like, okay, here's what you have to do. This is what you have to do. I had to actually pull the ropes and do the stuff with my weight. Oh my gosh, this was such an adventure. I will never forget it. It was one of the funnest, wonderful things I ever, I've ever, i ever done. But I had to watch it, not to get hit in the head. He's like, okay, that taught me this is Remember, you're gonna duck down and you're gonna get hit. And so we did that, but I, I remember going so fast and the salt water just splashing off. But it was so much fun. But you know what happened? The wind died right after we just, we got out out there. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm like, how are we gonna, it's like, don't worry. It's gonna be fine, it's gonna be fine. You know, it's like engineer mind guy. <laughs> my friend was like, no worries, no worries. I got this, you know, let's just have lunch. <laughs> we brought something, yeah. so we had lunch. And then we were fine. We came back, he had a little motor on this thing, but I was a little worried because we were out there, you know. But what a great, uh, fun experience and, you know, Oh my gosh, I love it. I love what you just said about, you know, realizing how small we are in this whole scheme of things. Right. And it makes your, your problems that you're crying about, or this happened or that happened. (laughs) We all are. Not big at all. What you were saying about when somebody starts talking negatively that you, you know, you try to get them on something else. And that's, I'm the same way. I said, you know what, let's pivot to this subject. Right. Um, and, and humor, a lot of comedy comes from tragedy. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So breast cancer (laughs) turned into this comedy career for me. And as a, as a child, this obviously was my defense mechanism. So when something bad happened, I made everybody laugh to try to make people feel better. And, and so, um, I believe it's, uh, I think it was Woody Allen that said that humor is, uh, the intersection between tragedy and time. And, um, it's in the darkness is where the funny is. And, um, comedians, it take, it, it takes a while to find out who you are on stage. 
And I've been to so many personal growth seminars because that's also somebody, something I love. I love spas and personal right. seminars. Yeah. So that's my thing. And so it's like peeling the onion back and trying yeah. to figure out what's, what's in here. And sick, yeah. Yeah, I get close to the darkness and I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. But as I've grown as a comedian, I've gotten closer and closer to who I am. And I've had the courage to tell you who I am on stage and what I've done and who, how I move through the world and how I interact with people. And um, a lot of it is edgy. It's, it's edgy. I love that. I love that. And would you say that, so it's amplified. I'm sure, I'm sure your personality was already like this, right? But would you say that now you're amplified more in that direction? Like you wouldn't be able to stop someone on the street and say, Hey, you're just raised the bar for all the, you know, good looking people on the side of the street. I mean, would you do something like this before or, or is this something new that makes you now amplify that part of your personality? So I've always been a big flirt, big flirt, big yes. and everybody. I mean, in, in my little, in, when I was in school, um, I had a real special desk next to the teacher because I kept like, hey, you know, whatever. He's and a troublemaker. And they're like, this is your special desk, right? And um, my mom marched, marched down there and she said, hey, what are you doing? She just wants to express herself and talk about her project and do this. And and she gave her a what's what. But, um, so I've always been like that. But as I have aged, I realized, and as I've moved from the, the very conservative, you know, um, Atlanta, North Carolina, you know, as I've learned, you know, so I've aged and moved to a place where people have, I believe more, you know, they're open minds and more inclusive. And when you get older, you're like, you know what? Okay. I am, you know what, you know what? And I did something last night and you know, I would not like, nobody else would say they did it. But then I say that I did it and people are like, mm, I've done that too. You know? If they fess up, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So I feel that a comedian, or at least with me, I say what people want to say, to say, but don't mm -hmm. or can't. And I do things that people don't or won't do. And if they did it, they would never tell anybody. So I actually expose quite a bit of my craziness on stage. Mm -hmm. And and there's a lot of things that I'm vulnerable about. And um, so that's about finding out who you are and being authentic on stage. But that makes it real. But yeah, exactly. That's what... So it takes, you know, the, so the best kind of comedy, right? <laughs> you go in and you go deep and then you say, hey, this is who I am. I love men. They can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. I love men. I love sex. You know what I mean? You know, if you're in it and I'm in it, we're, we both decide, yeah, hey, let's have fun. Let's let's do this. <laughs> you only live once. And if you do it right, that's that's the only, you only have to do it once. So right. I'm, I'm somebody that people have been living vicariously through for years and i supposedly have a couple books in me that people think you should write a book you should absolutely yes you should so. i think it will be fantastic um only don't put too much pressure on yourself because i know it can make you feel anxious or whatnot but you know uh the way i i did i ended up 
finishing and publishing finally something, you know, fiction is that I, I took advice from a writer basically who said, you know what, I set out the exact number of words I want to write like every day or whatever, divided it up say I want my book or my play to be this long and then and you kind of worked it backwards just like any goals right kind of like we have we're supposed to do so uh you know like 800 words a day or whatever and the problem is you don't always feel inspired right so you kind of sit down and you go okay what am I gonna do but it's I found that once I started even if like the first sentence I wasn't happy with or whatever it it will kind of start right it starts going so um, that was kind of my thing. And I just said, okay. And I, I, I had to make myself focus because I have other projects I'm writing. Right. So that's the problem. Cause you have many interests. I can tell you, you have many passions, many interests. So you're torn, right? It's like, well, should I be doing this? And right now I want to write down about this, but, uh, and you can do that. Did you know that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of like writers that will give you different, you know, they have different ways, right. How they do this. But one of the like major stream writers she's not like great literature or whatever but she's very popular she said she always had like and she's major but she had like seven projects literally at the same time she was always writing seven right or something like that a, a large number which makes sense to me because like and i started doing that and i actually like you know if i want to write something from my mem memoir a day like something comes to me i'm like okay i'm gonna do this but then i'm gonna do this but now i said okay but now you need to finish this one so i'm working on this other play which i know i'm like okay which one can you finish the fastest right uh well that's probably the one and then go back to the memoir but if something comes to my mind just write it down right right but uh, start or do it leslie because you i mean you have are you kidding me from what you've gone through and your life and it's so interesting and fun you're such a great personality you, you need to write it down girl <laughs> I have a ADHD and so this is the issue my whole life I've had great ideas I've done crazy crazy things and all these things I just need somebody to kind of sit me down <laughs> oh, you're gonna do this because I'm always all over the place and that's the thing and so many creative people have ADD yes. because their minds are going over here. Oh yeah. And the same thing, rounds an hour always. <laughs> the same thing that got me in trouble in school, got me in trouble in my, when I was in different jobs because we'd be in meetings and the manager saying something and then I just spin off. It just comes out something funny. Everybody laughs. But in the meantime, like it I used to always, I mean, I already, you know, they already know, like, if I start talking, thinking like, okay, we have two minutes, Morella. <laughs> the, the meeting ended up being long. So I'm like, uh, I think I'm going to do a podcast. I like talking. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so, you know, that was my thing. But uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I go off on different tangents, but uh, yeah, but the way to keep yourself, maybe, you know, what I do is, and I told my friend this the other day too, who's trying to write something. And I said, you know, uh, find a place in your house or set up a place that you feel really comfortable where, where you really like to be, right? It could be like a corner of your couch. It could be just, and nowadays we can have the laptop on in our lap. We don't have to, or even some people use iPads, whatever. You can even dictate actually. You can dictate on your phone. <laughs> do you do ideas and jokes on that? Like on your phone? Well, yes. I, I, I do that too. Yeah. And Siri messes up, but I don't have an app. You can actually.
actually, you know, my brother actually is writing now too, and he he was looking for an app which can do that, and you can actually dictate to an app. They have all sorts of things, and but I've been using Siri just for quick like ideas, right? But Siri doesn't always get it right. <laughs> but it's it's funny because with um with the tangents and how our minds are going always, you know, it's funny because. I remember when I met my husband, which is now like 21 years ago, long time ago, he said, hey, honey, are you on something? Like, what, what, why are you always I'm like, no, I'm, on, I'm high on life. This is how I am all the time. So he was like, woohoo. He's like, this is cool, you know? Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's been kind of like this. And, you know, of course, life is crazy and takes you in all kinds of directions, but um, but you know, I mean, I was kind of repressed actually when I was younger, I, you know, I, I grew up, you know, having to be quiet and, you know, <laughs> you know, very Catholic, very, you know, like, it's funny cause your mom, actually, my mom, unfortunately passed away recently, but, um, uh, I, I was the mom, like your mom, <laughs> like if somebody, you know, did anything with my son or my kids, my stepson, whatever that I didn't like, I would be like right there. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, okay, don't, that's not like, I didn't have many reasons to do that. But I mean, if, if there was something like this, I'd be like, okay, if I see something's not right, I'd be like right there. <laughs> right. What do you think? But it took me a while. I wasn't like this, you know, all the time because like I said, it was, it was a process, right? But definitely getting older, getting wiser, getting experience under your belt, you know, being divorced for like 10 years and raising my son and, you know, with the help of my mom a little bit, but I was the mother and the father, you know, I was, I was it pretty much. And, you know, that taught me a lot too about being independent and, you know, uh, just kind of taking the, the, taking life by the horns, you know, so to speak. And I really couldn't, I was like, by the time I met my husband, I could care less. <laughs> I was like, I could care less if I ever meet anybody. I was just like, you know, I was doing so well, speaking of all the, you know, self-improvement, right? You just, you just become the person you're supposed to become and you're just out there. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, hi, okay, what's, <laughs> you know, so. So is that where you are? Where are you now? As far as like meeting people, are you are you looking to meet someone? I mean, in case anybody's looking or listening or right, sure, sure, right. Um, <laughs> Got to so be good looking. I'm single. <laughs> I'm single, and um, the men, the age appropriate men for me, they actually don't want me. They want the the women who are should be dating the guys who now want me. Right. So the 30s, 35 to 40 um, is kind of like who's really interested in me. And my, yeah. my motto used to be, if it ain't great, take it away. Because I always like older men because I don't know why. But um, <laughs> And so now I've had to pivot because light, and it's kind of a cruel joke, Marilla, because <laughs> I had like a smoking hot body and I was fit and everything. And I was like, no, I don't want to have sex with you. No, turn, let's go to the covers. No, turn the lights on. Now oh. I'm like, hey, this is what I got. You know, it's coming. Like it's, I know it's going that direction. This is direction and whatever. Yes. This is what I got. Let's do it, right? <laughs> and so now I'm confident. And now my body's like, hey, you know, like, so it's a cool joke. But so I am on a dating website on Bumble. Oh, <laughs> um, to find a partner.
partner, of course, I would love a partner. Of course. It's got to yeah. be somebody who could handle a strong, crazy, gregarious woman. Absolutely. And I scare a lot of people. So, um, am I allowed to swear on this on this podcast, or I because like go I have, for it? Okay, so, <laughs> so I on the one hand I'm looking for you know a life partner that I can I can do major things with and, and that I would love that. And so until I find Prince Charming, I am really going to have to. Have a And it's, it's just like, I am a real sexual person and, and my, and when these young men want to celebrate my body, <laughs> yes. And so, um, they don't have the maturity or I, they don't have, like, I don't have anything to talk to them about or do anything. And, and so we just have a, like a, a physical type of thing and, and I get what I need, they get what they need. And then I'm still looking for Prince Charming. So, uh. It's kind of, and also I think if we want to dig a little deeper than that is that um, an intimacy, uh, you know, I use my sense of humor to keep people away and, um, and that's, that's kind of a known, you know, like a lot of people do that. It's my defense mechanism. Self-defense. Yeah, exactly. So I don't normally, I I don't normally share myself with somebody and, and I'm not able to be intimate so much and so i've done a lot of work around that to try to get there uh but i think when i look back that's this is kind of always how i've been i've always had like a few different boyfriends or whatever i like i'm a gemini i like a variety and um and so and i just believe that you know the people who um have the most sex and laugh the most i think they win at the end of the day, I think those are the people who win. And I have been blessed to be very, uh, I've just been really blessed in both those areas. And, um, and I don't know, I'm not going to apologize. You're a liberated woman. You're just liberated. You're, you know, you're out of your shell. <laughs> and men, you know what? Men end up sleeping with all these people and having young girlfriends and whatever. I was like, yeah, man, great. You know what? Yeah, 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 woman. Yeah, great. And the thing is, like, with all the slut shaming out there and what have you, oh, so men can sleep with whomever they want. But if I want to sleep with, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, that's not, you know, you know what? Shame on you for 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 shaming me because I am doing the same thing that you're doing. And so there's and definitely a double standard, you know, uh, of course, right, in society. But you know, there there are certain things, you know, you. I mean, when you're married, it's a different thing. I mean, we've been married for a long time, but the key is you need to pick the right par- partner in your life. You know, it's like so you you have the right partner, then you're okay. You know, it's it's just one of those things. But um, but yeah, I mean. And the the nice thing is, I think that is a great big breakthrough in society in general that nowadays, you know, the age difference between women and men, like, it seems almost like it's not a problem. I don't remember that movie. One of my favorite movies is Something's Gotta Give. Do you know that movie? With oh, Dr. okay. Yes, yes, yes. Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson, and Keanu Reeves. Well, actually, my husband uh, ran into him in LA once in in a bar. He was there with a with a girl and just kind of in the corner in Santa Monica. And he's very laid back, very nice, nice person. He's like in general just a nice person, but he's also very good looking. 
<laughs> and um, so I don't remember if you, I don't know if you remember the movie, but you know, she ends up actually with someone, whatever, you, you know, I don't want to spoil it if someone wants to see it, but it, it, it tackles a lot of that stuff, you know? And it's funny because the first time I saw it, I mean, it's old now. It's been out now. I was like, oh my gosh, it's been out for so many years. But, you know, it's funny because seeing it later on in life, I have a different view of some things when, rather than what I did like when I first saw it, you know? But I think it was more shocking when I saw it first, right? Diane Keaton was like, yeah, really? But although she made sure, she kept saying that to him, like, you know, are you sure? You know, this is this is a great big difference in age and this and that and the other thing. Whereas for years and years, we've seen movies and, and, and books and everything else in society with the opposite, which is completely okay. You know, it's like nobody right. wants it. It's like, hey, great. Ever. Like Madonna, right. I think she was 51. Her boyfriend was 26. Oh, well, uh, he's Madonna. He's her, he's her 75. And she like, so yeah. there's all these um, J-Lo, like there's all these um, high profile women who are dating men or, or uh, in relationship, yeah, in relationships with younger men. And you know what? Maybe my, uh, maybe my boyfriend isn't born yet. Right. <laughs> when I, when I, I saw that, actually, it's funny. I saw that the other day, like somebody said, uh they were like i think she was 71 whoever i don't know who she is <laughs> somebody said hey your boyfriend may not be born yet right. um but you know it's i don't think it's really honestly it's not about the age so much as as finding the right person uh right because uh you know that can also be wrong <laughs> i mean you just you just don't know you know i, I think uh it's a very intricate thing to find someone that on a lot of levels that will, you know, meet your expectations, which is a trap <laughs> because expectations are usually what's wrong with everybody. Right. The younger people now, the younger people now um, are completely different than when we were that age. And what has happened was I have um, been involved with, uh, you know, younger men who have taught me so much um, about sexual fluidity, about um, love, about inclusive, inclusivity. Um, and, and I actually went on this huge life-changing trip to South Africa with a younger man. And um, he, he signed us up for bungee jumping off the highest commercial bridge in the world. We went skydiving. We went canyoning. Uh, we uh, repelled and jumped into raging rivers. We went wow. with black, uh, black tip oceanic sharks. We went cage diving with what, with great white sharks. Jeez. So we're in line doing these, these things. And this guy goes, my mom would never do this. And I said, neither would mine. And so my friend, my, he was like, he thinks you're my my mom and I go well I'm not whatever so he pushed me to do all these crazy things that was way outside my comfort zone and and it really changed who I was and I and I I see the world differently now and and I I mean so there's a real positive thing about hanging around with people who are younger and it's really opened my eyes and broadened my horizons and 
and and I'm a different person as a result. I was gonna that. say, I mean, that must have changed you so much, and you know, just opened up all these possibilities. And look at what experiences you've had in life, because, I mean, it really comes down to memories, experiences, people, you know, and you know, if you see, you know, the world kind of gets smaller and smaller, like I've been watching my mom's life, you know, and what happens, right, when you age and this and that and the other thing. And it's, you know, it's all those experiences that we've had together that keep me going now, you know, and I, the, the, the good news is you and I have this that we know in the present moment what's good and what's happening and we appreciate it. And so many people, I think, lose that, lose the sight of that now is really when we're alive, right? No, it doesn't matter what happened five minutes ago already. And we really don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> really, five minutes from now, hopefully <laughs> nothing major. But I'm just saying, you know, really, we all we have is now <laughs> in this moment. And so, you know, it's, it, it, I think I'm grateful for the fact that I was able to realize this quite a long time ago that I know, and especially what reinforced that is I was actually in a car accident back in 2012 on New Year's Eve, which is kind of, you know, uh, it has a meaning to me in a lot of ways too, but um, it took me a while to recover from it. And I was actually, I did a lot of things myself to be able to recover from it because I had some panic attacks and anxiety and all that stuff. and. I had to kind of fight for the right treatments, you know, and get a right physical therapist and all these other things. And, um, but the doctor eventually was like, it was like, oh, MG, like, how did you, because without, and I know people need medicine and people need drugs and people, need, but I have, you know, I had some reactions that were like adverse and different, like it made me feel worse instead of better. And I said to myself, okay, well, Morella, are you going to be like this the rest of your life? Or are you going to do something about it? And so I had to literally make a plan and do, it was like literally one step at a time, tiny step at a time every day, but it was incremental. You know, and I told myself, okay, if you today, if you can do this, if you can walk, you know, the dog further down the street or whatever, <laughs> you know, to that point. And then, you know, I found listening to music was helping me a lot. And I found listening to new, speaking of podcasts, or this wasn't really a podcast, but it was uh, talking to someone I had never talked to before, like meeting someone new. And this lady, she gave me a card just randomly. I was somewhere in the store or something. She's like, Hey, I have this business and I do, you know, would you like to, you know, uh, you know, learn about it or whatever. It was some kind of nutritional thing. And I said, sure. And I called her and it was like, oh my gosh, like a breath of fresh air because it was, and then I figured it out because I have a background in psychology, <laughs> but in any case, I, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I know why is because it's all new information, right? So I'm connecting, I'm making all these firing all these new things in my brain, which I needed to heal, right, from the big concussion, whatever. So it was, you know, it was helping me. Same with jazz music, for example, because jazz is very unpredictable, especially the the kind of jazz I'm talking about, not the light jazz, you know, the, the real jazz. It will be kind of like all over the place, right? And so your brain doesn't know what to expect because if you keep listening to the same melody and whatever, you already know. Uh, but so in any case, you know, I try to tell people like, you need to also take responsibility for your recovery, like just like you did after your chemo, you, you went on this retreat 
and then these people helped you, you know, but you look at you, how much you're doing yourself. You, you discovered the comedy, you, you know, you went on this retreat, you're doing all kinds of, you know, self-improvement and, you know, and opening yourself to the world basically by, you know, asking young people to your life and, and, you know, doing all that. First of all, back to the jazz. Um, I love jazz as long as it doesn't sound like jazz because it is too, it's like a cat. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get this or like, you know, they're so like. Yes. No, it can be all over the place. And right. some jazz can literally get on my nerves so much that I can't listen. But uh, I'm talking about the more classic, more kind of bluesy. You know, like I like the blues a lot. So it has to have some kind of beat. It, I don't like it to be like kind of all over the place. But I, at the same time, I don't like like the jazz at all. No, I got you. It's like, it doesn't know what it is. Like, you know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be mean to someone who loves like just, it's just the, you know, just the the fact that I want it to be either this or that, like make up your mind. It's like you said, unpredictable. And Ah. uh, I had a guy ask me out and he wanted to go to a place that had jazz. And I said, you know, I I love jazz, except (laughs) if it sounds like jazz, just like I love coffee as long as it doesn't taste like coffee, right? So, um, but back to what you were saying um, about uh, the younger people and the experiences, um, this South African trip actually um, propelled me into skydiving with this um, young man. And I've been skydiving seven times and now I am getting my AFF license, um, accelerated free fall license. Like who would jump out of a plane? I'd be like, who would never jump out of a plane? I've done it seven times. And so now I'm going to do it by myself. And he actually asked me to do, um, base jumping, which is, um, you go a short distance instead of 18,000 feet to the ground, you're going 300 feet off a bridge. Okay. So you throw your parachute. Yeah. And, um, so what I learned from him was that I can do it. I can do it. That is amazing to me. And he totally opened up this whole other chapter. And, um, and frankly, I was trying to keep up. Like, you know, I was thinking, no, I'm going to, you know what I mean? We're running through the airport. I'm like, I can run as fast as you can. He was like, so you're right. I kept up with him and everything. Because you're also competitive. And you're, it sounds like you're, you're a perfectionist. So I I'm recovering. I'm a recovering forever. And, and, you know, I never want to judge people. Here's the thing. I think that most people make a big mistake when they are looking at someone, you know, it's like, why don't you try to understand? instead of judge immediately, right? It's like, you don't know because you're not in this person's head, person's head. You didn't live their life. You have no idea what's going on. I mean, with the exception of, let's say, you know, serial killers, like people like that. I mean, like, you know, you don't want to understand this guy. It's like, there's, he's way too much. I'm talking about, you know, non-fringe cases, right? When people, like in life, what, what do we tend to do? We tend to judge people almost immediately about things and we all do this we still do this but but pull back those you know that rope and start really painting the the picture and listening and understanding why this is happening and guess what we're all human we're all weak we have weaknesses nobody's perfect and in fact the ones that look the most perfect are not (laughs) right so okay so right exactly that point one of the personal growth seminars that I went to, they said, go to somebody who you would never go to. 
Like your girl. Like, who's the opposite person that you would feel that you would be with? And um, so I went with the person that had mismatchy clothes, stripes, and plaids, and all this crazy stuff. And I went there, and now we're married. No, um, and, and I found him very interesting. And so what that exercise proved was, is, yeah, you, you you know, you don't know who, 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 and you also don't know what they're going through, right? you know, what kind of grief they have, what kind of, ha- you know, and so that's the other thing is I always try to make people laugh and compliment people because I feel it gives them a little, little, you know, reprieve, reprieve from their situation. And, um, and that's, I mean, that's the best thing I think is, is making somebody laugh. And it's the best that's compliment good. when somebody says that I'm funny. That's my, the best compliment that I get. You ever. are so naturally funny and charming and wonderful that you have even no idea. Like, um, honestly, I, I, I really say that from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> I'm so glad we met and, you know, and we connected and that, you know, you just bringing so much joy. Look at how many people you already brought joy to from going on the journey, you know, just starting a new thing in your life, like completely going on a completely different tangent. Uh, anyways, but uh, yeah, definitely. The, the problem too with comedians, they're having this issue that they've been out on the road and they've been comedians forever. And, I'm, you know, we watch quite a few comedy shows. My husband is you know, an actor besides being in sales of cars. So he, uh, I'm kind of around this and he always brings up some new interesting things to show me uh, that he knows. And we like, like comedy shows and we, we watch quite a few different comedians and, you know, like Patton Oswalt is one of our favorites, you know, and he can be pretty edgy himself, right? Um, but there are some that are very much like on one side of the spectrum and, you know, they're also having trouble now with, People being offended very easily. And hey, we're not going to say mean stuff about other people. You know, like, so we've really, the pendulum has swung. And sometimes it swings way too way too far where they're like, okay, you comedians, you can't say anything about this, that, and the other. So we've got to come, it's, it's going to come back a little bit more, I believe. But I think in the end, it's just about love and kindness. You know, we're here for a short period of time. And, and so at the core, if it's love and kindness and you know that you're just making fun of somebody, just, you know, you're not trying to disparage them. Um, exactly. So, and I think if you're, if you, not that you're careful, but if you balance it correctly, you can always come back from a joke, right. And kind of make it come back to you or come back somewhere else. And those great comedians are able to do that where they will soften the blow, so to speak. Like they will, you know, they will punch it and then they will come back where it's, oh, it's back to kindness now. And it's back to, oh, okay, we can now relax, you know? And that's the key, I think, is to keep it that way. Well, so, okay, so uh, on that point. So my name is Leslie Lang. So a lot of people think I'm going to be Chinese. Obviously, I'm not Chinese. I love that. I mean, I wish I were because then I'd finally be able to date a white guy. <laughs> so, like, that sounds racist, right? But it's just absolutely true. That's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the funny thing. And, and, and so, just by calling it out and then saying, yeah, that does sound racist, but it's true. So, it's, 
it's like what you said about like softening the blow, I guess. So. And it's funny because the thing you said about the name, you know, my first name is Italian, Mirella. It's mm-hmm. Italian, completely Italian spelling. When I was in Italy, everybody's like, what's your real name? Right? That's my name. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's boring here. But, uh, you know, my mom just happened to see a movie when she was like 16 years old. And she said, if I have a girl, I want to <laughs> name her Mirella. And I happened to like fall in love with everything Italian, you know, so all my life I learned Italian language and Italian or whatever. Never learned Spanish, silly, because I speak like I learned five, but whatever, I should have. <laughs> but in any case, but do you know how many times I get things in the mail and, and I get addressed as if I am a Latina or if I, if it's assumed that I speak Spanish, I get like Spanish versions of things in the mail, you know, people, because they assume, and it's not even Spanish, it's, you know, or Mexican or whatever, it's actually Italian, but there is a lot of ignorance, you know, in our society in general about these things. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an honest mistake, right? It's an honest mistake. I mean, I don't mind. It makes me crack up and kind of laugh about it. But also people expect me to have black hair, right? right. And look differently. Right. And so this... Right. So when I show up and I'm putting my nails right. in, this is the whole reason. This whole thing is the hinge about why I can say I love you in uh, 18 I love that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about it. I'm glad. So I'm getting my nails done. And so everyone thinks I'm going to be Chinese, right? So then, uh, and then I, or Vietnamese, right? Right. So when I'm getting my nails done, I I, I said, you know what? I would like to learn how to say I love you in Vietnamese. So it's, right? That's I love you very much, right? And so they, so then that became my hobby. So then I, I would meet somebody else. So I'm like, why me in Chinese or um, I stay mas in, in Japanese. And so what happened was that just became my hobby that, you know, people do, you know, other people, they learn swear words and stuff. I just, I just learned I, that was my hobby. I just wanted to learn. I love you because I just wanted to put that out. So I was on a cruise and this is what really, this is really the funny thing is that on a cruise, they have people from all different countries working on there. So they'll say, hey, you know, um, uh, you know, this person from Hungary, you know, uh-huh. okay. and, their name and from Very Hungary. Cool. So I was pretty smoking hot. This was a long time ago. And I'm like, I was by myself on this cruise with some like people that I didn't know. And so I was invited <laughs> at the last minute. And so it got I was known now. So people would come up to me and go, hey, I'm you know, I'm, I'm this guy from Croatia and I'd be like, uh, you know, and then I would learn. So can you tell me how to say, I love you in Croatian and, uh, yeah, the volume. So that's just how it happened. Then I'm doing it. I'm Hungarian, Italian, French. And so at the end of this cruise, I was like, yeah, Malkita. Oh, I know Malkita. So we got off the cruise. I got off the cruise to go shop or something. And every time I had left, the, the gentleman that put the plank down to go from the, the ship to land, they were um, Filipino. So I was like, Mahalkita, Mahalkita, Mahalkita. I love you, I love you, I love you, right? So, of course, they remembered me. So I, if you're late getting back to a cruise ship, they leave without you. They say, look, if you're at this port and you don't make it back by this time. So we're in the, I w- bought some jewelry or something, and I was late, and so I'm like, <laughs> So actually our audio got unfortunately cut off at some point and video 
And so I didn't get to record or keep at the end of the recording where Leslie says that she was able to get on that cruise ship <laughs> after all because she knew how to say I love you. And they remembered her for being that nice and going around and telling everyone I love you in all different languages. So I invite you guys to go check her out in person. She will be performing at the San Jose Improv uh, on Sunday, August 8th at 7 p.m. It is a show for 21 plus and enjoy. Okay, I will provide a link to the website where you can purchase tickets for the show if you'd like. So in keeping with Leslie's sentiment of sending love all over the place, all over the world, here's my little attempt at saying I love you in six languages. I love you. Ti amo. Ya ti le bleu. Je t'aime. Ich liebe dich. And um, I hope you enjoyed our little uh, chat conversation, my comedy hour with Leslie Lang. Thank you and thanks for listening. Stay informed, be well and be kind. Talk to you soon. Ciao. This has been a production of Do You Eve Media. Copyright. 2021. All rights reserved. Hello, hello, hello. This is Marella Keo, your location gal and the host of Fire Chat with Marella podcast. Welcome. I'm so glad you stopped by. It's all about you guys. I'm here for you. I'm Marella and I am here to help you navigate whatever your next move may be. Life throws us curveballs and sometimes plans even do work out quite perfectly. Whatever your goals are in real estate, your story is the most important. What is the next chapter of your life story? Where do you see yourself? How soon do you want to get there? What do you need to write it and make it a reality? Let's go over your options, needs, and wants and come up with the best plan together. More about me? I'm obsessed with mirrors, Paris, everything Italian, teapots, and sleighs. When I'm not busy mapping out and executing the best real estate solutions for my clients, doing open houses, and searching for dream homes, I enjoy podcasting, making YouTube videos, cooking for my husband and me, it's easy as we are now empty nesters, learning something new, watching movies or comedy shows, checking in with friends and family, mindfulness, meditation, and of course, writing. I am the author of Waiting for Good. Tune in and enjoy.
And if you would like to receive my weekly updates that I send out to my tribe with exclusive content, including videos that I call Helpies on the Way to sell, buy, and invest your way, you can email me at relocationgal at gmail.com. And if you'd like to talk to me, you can schedule a time on calendly.com slash relocationgal and pick a convenient day and time. Thank you for stopping by. I'm so glad you decided to do so. I hope you enjoy this episode and many more. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any in the future either. Okay, already then. I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Have a wonderful day.